You're listening to the 49 Carats Podcast, a 49ers goldmine production with Stephanie Sanchez. What's going on, everyone? Welcome to another edition of the 49 Carats Podcast. I'm your host, Steph. It is Thursday, December 14th. The 49ers are just days away from taking on the Arizona Cardinals in week 15. Joining me to talk about the latest 49ers news leading up to the game is Rob Stats Guerrera. Rob, how are you doing today? What's up, Steph? I'm pumped. Yeah, pumped. I mean, the 49ers are are back in the one seed. Who doesn't feel great about that? The 49ers, you know, just swept the the Seahawks second year in a row. Uh, Yeah, life is good, right? Life is very good. I mean, think about where we were in the offseason, in the early parts of the season, even a few weeks in, right? All the, the worrying and the gnashing of teeth and the consternation. And here we sit, December 14th. Brock Purdy is the starter. The Niners are first in the NFC West, can clinch the NFC West, have already clinched a playoff spot, and they're the number one seed in the NFC right now. Exactly where we thought they'd be, right? (laughs) That is so funny because, I mean, after the three losses, I was so pissed at this team because (laughs) I remember, I remember like there was a tweet that said the 49ers had just like a 10% chance of getting the one seed. Uh, and it's like, I, I was pissed because I was like, well, those three losses and, and them, you know, messing around and and finding out uh, is, is kind of what put them at that 10% chance. And you basically just had a hope that a bunch of other things would fall into place for it to happen. But lo and behold, you know, the NFL is, is a crazy league and it is a week to week league. And a lot of crazy things did happen <laughs> since that. Uh, you know, since the 49ers had a 10% chance. And now look at them. They're in the one seed, now in complete control of their destiny. But Rob, I'm glad that you mentioned Brock Purdy and just like how far this team has come since just a year ago, even though they were a good team back then too. But it just feels like a lot has happened. And so that's the perfect segue into this week in 49ers history. December 11th, 2022. It wasn't that long ago, right? But week 14, Brock Purdy made his first career start against the Tom Brady-led Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Brock Purdy finished 16 of 21, 185 yards, and two passing touchdowns. He also ran for a third touchdown. He he brought in himself, which is how we got this great picture of him celebrating. Um... And Brock Purdy became the first quarterback to defeat Tom Brady in his first NFL start. It was also the third largest loss of Tom Brady's career, in which I believe the 49ers won like 30-something to 7. 35-7. 35-7, yeah. They absolutely destroyed them. Um, and it was like, whoa, like, hold on a second. Don't forget, Brock Purdy was the first Mr. Irrelevant quarterback to ever even start a game in NFL history, not win just literally to ever even start. And then he starts against Tom Brady. He drops three touchdown passes. He never looked overwhelmed, right? It's that's a spot where you're like, you're going against Tom freaking Brady in your first start. You were the third string quarterback two weeks ago. And now all of a sudden you're the starter and he just got in there and handled it. And he has really never looked back since then. I remember that game feeling like somewhat symbolic, like because at at one point last season, 
there was talk of Tom Brady leaving the Bucks after the season and, and possibly, you know, just the chitter chatter of people thinking, oh, well, wouldn't it be great if he ended his career in San Francisco? And I think just given the fact that Jimmy Garoppolo kind of was on his way out too, we kind of figured it was his last season with the team. Hey, maybe that could happen. Like Tom Brady could finish his career as a Niner. Wouldn't that be nice? Well, I mean, after this game, it, it kind of felt like, you know what? I don't know if we need <laughs> Tom Brady, like, which is crazy to think because for the second time, we kind of scoffed at the idea of Tom Brady. But I think this time it was a little bit different. And just seeing Brock play, we wanted to see more. And maybe it was a little premature because it was, you know, this his first career start. But I think we saw the glimpses, right? We saw the things, the little things, the intangibles, the the little extra oomph that he brought, you know, in just this one game and, and the game prior where he stepped in for Jimmy Garoppolo against the Dolphins, uh, that we wanted to see more. more. Here we are a year later, and we've seen more. We've seen plenty, and we continue to want to see more because Brock is just 23 years old, and we see him continue to grow and shape out into this, you know, pretty good quarterback who for much of this season, just a second year, he's been a candidate for MVP. Crazy. Yeah, I think at first it was like, just keep us from going down, right? Because the ship was sinking, third quarterback, rookie quarterback, last pick in the draft. And we're like, oh my God, this is a potential Super Bowl year that's going down the drain. And then it was just be good enough to, to keep that possibility alive. And he was. And it, it gave me the glimmer of like, you know, imagine if we could pull this off. Imagine if he can actually play a little bit. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, the more he's played, and especially this year to me, and that's something that I feel like a lot of people have not acknowledged, at least a lot of 49er fans, they like to come at me because I was critical of Brock. Yes, I called him gourmet Nick Mullins last year. I did do Whoa. that. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> he's better this year than he yes. was last year. Last year, I think he was gourmet Nick Mullins. This year, he's been way better than that. No one, I don't think anyone legitimately argued that he should have been the MVP last year. But this year, that argument is a legitimate argument. Brock said this week on KMBR that he's added the deep ball to his game, partly because Kyle Shanahan has really encouraged him to do that. He's playing at another level this year. So it's not just keep us afloat, keep our Super Bowl hopes alive. Now it's, we might win a Super Bowl because of you. And it's a it's incredible that this is where we are, that the Niners have gone on this journey because this doesn't happen in real life. This is movie script stuff. Yeah, yeah, for sure is. And and that's pretty much like what I wanted to make the theme of this show be, because it's it's kind of a reflection of where the 49ers are, where Brock Purdy is just a you know, a year later after he became the starter of this team. Shout out Gammon for the super chat. He said, Stats, how did you get that trophy? One behind oh, you. That is my fantasy baseball trophy, which I am proudly displaying. I have won the championship in three out of the last four years. And uh, yeah, I will keep it up there because I'm terrible at fantasy football for some reason, but I am awesome at fantasy baseball. So the trophy will stay there proudly displayed until I lose it. Okay, that's fair. That's I didn't know that. So that's a good little tidbit. And then Gammon also says, Torque for Kirk 2024. <laughs> that's hilarious. You know, at 
again, at one point, like very early in the season, maybe in the off season, we're like, Kyle's going to do it, isn't he? He's mm-hmm. he's going to go out after this season and he's going to get Kirk Cousins. I don't even think like Kirk Cousins is a thought in, in Kyle Shanahan's brain <laughs> this season. We kind of have Kirk Cousins. Like, if you look at their pregame fit, first of all, we have Kirk Cousins. Like, Brock Purdy and Kirk Cousins look like they are swimming in Cole's cash, which is totally fine. Like, whatever. I don't care what you wear going into the games as long as you play like that. I Brock is able to do all the things that Kyle likes about Kirk Cousins, right? Read the defense, get the ball where it needs to go, on time, stay in the pocket, you know, be able to deliver a ball under pressure. That's all the stuff that Kyle loves about Kirk Cousins. But he's also able to do stuff that Kirk doesn't do. He's able to extend plays. He's able to scramble for first downs. He's able to be elusive in the pocket and avoid pass rushers as they come to get him. So you've got everything that Kyle liked about Kirk Cousins, plus this additional skill set that I honestly like this is this is a Kyle Shanahan wet dream. <laughs> uh yeah and i i'm again like this show so far is getting perfectly segued because i wanted to talk about a quote yeah. that Kyle shanahan uh had yesterday he was asked about uh brock being in his second season and matt ryan who was in his second season with kyle in that historic 2016 atlanta falcons offense if there are similarities in their understanding of the offense being in their second year and so i'll i'll just you know read off the the main parts of this quote because it's a lengthy one so if you guys uh didn't see that check out the transcript online but the one part that struck me um he mentions that for Matt Ryan, it was his eighth season in the league. He had been through six different coordinators by the time Kyle Shanahan got there. So he had more football in his head is what uh, Kyle said. But Brock was a pretty clean slate. I mean, you know, this is he's he was a rookie last season. All he's ever known in the NFL is Kyle Shanahan's system. And so I feel like Kyle of course likes the fact that he could kind of mold Brock into the perfect quarterback for a system. And honestly, given that Brock Purdy has a lot of the intangibles, uh, like the process, the mental side of the game at a good enough level already, uh, that Kyle could really work with and grow with. I think that's kind of what has made this marriage a a match made in heaven, you know, because I, I think they're able to kind of, I, I don't know. It just seems like they work very well together. Uh, like Kyle Shannon. I, I feel like Brock Purdy is very receptive to feedback. Like Kyle has mentioned as much. And I mean, that's kind of crucial for, for what Kyle wants to do and be able to, you know, tell him how to see the game. They see the game very in very similar ways, I think. And I think that's number one, part of the reason why Kyle liked Kirk Cousins also, because don't forget, they drafted RG3 and Cousins in the same year. But they had to create a totally new system for RG3 because of what he did in college and because of some of his limitations that he had as a rookie. So they created something new for RG3. But for Kirk, it was just the Shanahan system. And I think that's also part of why Trey Lance's inexperience did not scare them away. Because I think Kyle looked at it like, hey, we've got this sort of ball of clay that we can mold. We don't have to empty out somebody else's stuff and then put our stuff in. We can just sort of hit the ground running. And obviously, I mean, Kyle said it there, same thing with Brock Purdy, like, hey, 
It's all me. You don't have to unlearn any habits or anything like that. You're going to come in, you're going to learn our system and run it, and we're going to be off and running. And they have been, really. Yeah, I mean, it's it's been really cool to see. Like, we're, we're seeing Brock grow and improve before our eyes, but I think we're also seeing Kyle and the offense grow and evolve, too, as a direct result of it. And that's why right now, like, it's so hard to poke any holes in this offense. Like, whatever holes this offense had in the past, in the last few years, you think about how good they were, but they always had some holes, some – like there, there was a perfect game plan against this offense, you know, and, and Brock has kind of filled those holes and Kyle has his entire offense and any new wrinkles at his disposal now. And he's of course, you know, taking advantage of that. Absolutely. He has. And the encouraging thing is before it was like, well, if you pack the middle of the field and you put everybody, you know, within 10 yards of the line of scrimmage, you're going to shut down this offense. And now that is not the case anymore. No matter what a defense does, this team can make you wrong. If you want to pack the field, we'll hit Ayuk on those out routes near the sideline and we'll go deep down the field. You want to stop the deep plays? Great. We'll go short over the middle of the field. And guess what? Because we have the freaks on this team like Ayuk and Debo and McCaffrey after the catch, we could still get those big chunk plays even if we throw it short. So you can't stop us from getting that. We're moving the ball down the field because no matter what you do, we can make you wrong. Um, there was a clip that just came out because Eric Armstead had uh, Charverius Warren on his podcast. And so some of the clips are starting to surface this morning. And one of the one that's getting shared is... Uh, Travis Ward talking about the game plan that the Chiefs had against the 49ers. Game plan was to put the ball in Jimmy's hands, man. I hate to say that. <laughs> I hate to say that, but our game plan was kind of like to put um put the ball in Jimmy's hands, yeah. but Kyle Shanahan, he was just calling him run out the run. And for some reason, in the fourth quarter, they started running the ball. Um, mm-hmm. You know, kind of took over a little bit. Yeah. I don't want to say too much about it because I'm part of the organization now, you know what I'm saying? No, so, I feel you, but I mean, I mean, that's really telling, right? Like, I again, I think that's kind of what we knew. There was a, there was holes in this offense before. There was a perfect game plan you could have against the offense of old, uh, and that game plan was that one exactly put in the ball in Jimmy Garoppolo's hands. Now, when opposing teams try to do that, Good. you're seeing, yeah, it's like you're. We get to see more of what Brock Purdy can do. Like every every single game, we we just get uh, a new like skill set. Like, huh? Oh, you could do that too. Like, oh, I didn't know that. And so I feel like every level of of throw on the field is available to Brock Purdy to Kyle Shanahan in this offense. Like, that's kind of what what I'm seeing now. Like, right? Wouldn't you agree? Yes, and I kind of like the whole like all shucks Brock Purdy off the field because. Great. Like if that's the game plan that defensive coordinators are coming into the games with, like we want to make Brock beat us, please. Yes, do it. That works to our advantage because guess what? He can. So go on thinking he's just a dink and dunk quarterback. Go on thinking that the key to beating the 49ers is to make Brock Purdy throw it because he can and he will. And he has like his comment about Jamal Adams, how he saw that Jamal Adams was flat footed and he knew he could hit Debo deep like that is high level stuff. That's not nothing. If he is, he's 23 years old. If that's where he is now, please put the ball in Brock Purdy's hands. 
please do. And by the way, it's so refreshing that we don't have to hide the quarterback anymore. It's so refreshing because we were all, this is the offense that we were all sitting here every week when we had 10 under center, screenshotting wide open guys down the field, showing clips of open guys that could have gained more yards if Jimmy could put the ball on him or complete the pass at all. That's not what we have this year. Brock's hitting those. Like he missed it a couple times early in the season and we all freaked out because he hits those almost every time. We're just maximizing everything that's there now and it's awesome. I think it took like about 10 years out of Kyle Shanahan's life, just like seeing just some of the things that were getting mm-hmm. missed uh, in years past. And now he, he looks well rested. Uh, he's, he's making jokes. He's making jokes. Like he's, he's in so much of a better mood these days and you love to see it. But as you probably know by now, um, you know, you Rob and everyone else watching earlier this week, Cam Newton uh, called Brock Purdy and a few other quarterbacks, including fellow MVP candidate Dak Prescott, a game manager. And he ended his statement by saying, you know, there's a difference between a game manager and a game changer. And so now people are debating the phrase game manager. And I've seen some people say like, it's not even a bad thing. Like when did this become a bad thing? Well, when people started using it as like (laughs) a bad thing, like an insult, like people are, are taking it to mean something entirely different. And I see it as an insult. I see it as like, I don't know, disrespectful a bit because, uh, Cam and, and the podcast host even said, as a game manager, you're just asked not to lose the game. I think that's what we were describing for what we were just talking about, the offense in the past, right? Like, that's to me, that's what it was. We, we've seen it several times. I think it's clear you can win with the game manager, uh, but it has a negative connotation to it for a reason. And while I agree there is a difference between a game manager and a game changer, like those are so vastly different. I'm feeling like there has to be some nuance. There has to be something in between that. And I don't know if there's a word for it, but we got to find it because there's so many quarterbacks that I think fall in between that. And quite frankly, Brock Purdy doesn't deserve to be called a game manager. He's absolutely not a game manager, but I also think like you have to understand who this message is coming from. Cam Newton was physically capable of carrying a team in a way that few quarterbacks in the history of the NFL were ever capable of carrying a team. Cam's rookie year, first of all, he threw for over 4,000 yards, had 21 touchdowns, and then he also ran for 14 touchdowns. It's one of the greatest rookie years in the history of the NFL. He was physically capable of literally putting a team on his back and carrying them himself. Go look at the players that he had when he won the MVP in 2015. He got that team to a Super Bowl. Do you have any idea who the leading receiver was on that team? Wasn't it like Ted Ginn or something like that? Greg Olson was a tight end. He led the team in receiving yards. Ted Ginn was the leading wide receiver, 700 yards. Then it was Jericho Cotchery, Devin Funches, Corey Brown, people you've never heard of, okay? Fozzie Whitaker. Cam, what Cam did is incredible, but just because a quarterback is not capable of doing that doesn't automatically make them a game manager. And I think that's, I think what Cam was trying to say is that Brock Purdy and Dak and those type of guys aren't capable of carrying the team the way he could have. 
but that doesn't mean that they're just, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo, Alex Smith back there. Like you yeah, see, exactly. there, there is something else in that huge ocean between those two things. <laughs> that's that's exactly what I'm saying. Like, I don't think Brock Purdy is a game changer. Like he's not, I don't think Dak Prescott is a game changer. I see someone like a Lamar, you know, Jackson being a game changer. I see someone as, you know, potentially Josh Allen, just because I'm looking at a specific skill set when when I'm I'm talking or thinking about a, a game changer, right? And yes, you could put the team on your back with that skill set. Uh, but again, yeah, I, I there has to be something in between that. So I'm like begging everyone to please, please, for the love of God, find something instead of debating. Well, you know, game manager is not that bad. I mean, it is pretty bad, I, I think, and we just need to look for something let's get our thesauruses out and just try to find something uh, a little bit better so brock purdy can be in that category but yeah the, the conversation has bothered me because of that there has to be some nuance to it and i'm just not i'm, I'm not seeing it but gammon thank you for the uh another donation he says holidays are upon us doing anything for charity um yeah gl- glad you asked um a couple years ago, my sister put together this, uh, we had this thing called Holidays for the Homeless. I think that was that's what it was called. Um, you can find it on Instagram. Uh, but basically what we did, and this was pre-COVID, we would get together like, you know, before Christmas and our family, extended family, friends and all that would come together to bring a bunch of items that each person donated. So like, it'd be like 50 apples and then the next person would get like 50 gloves or hand warmers, something like that. And we'd put these bags together, um, holiday bags for the homeless, what it was called. Uh, and so we'd all do it and then we'd go out to the city and, and disperse them. Of course, during COVID we had to stop doing that. Um, but my sister wants to start it up again for this season. So she's just, you know, getting donations. So that's probably, uh, what I will donate to this year. Um, but that's a great question. I mean, I, yeah, definitely something to think about Rob. You have any, any plans? Well, I didn't, but that sounds pretty cool. I'm not going to lie. I want to get involved with that. Yeah. I'll, I'll send the link out. Um, it's just been way more low key this year. It, it sucks because COVID, like before COVID, it was becoming a bigger thing every mm-hmm. year. And yeah, that, that just kind of like trumped what it used to be. But, you know, we could still do little things to to help here and there. So I appreciate the donation uh, to the channel, Gammon, because, you know, things like this do help us, you know, do, do these nice things in, in charity as well. So appreciate it. Um, but yeah, I mean, Brock Purdy, not a game manager and... I also want to say that like the disrespect of Cam Newton is because of what he said is a little ridiculous too. like say what you want about what he eventually became in this league, but he was a really, really good quarterback at the height of his career. And come on, like, (laughs) let's just, let's just leave that as it is. We don't need to disrespect a man or tear down his career just because he has an opinion. All right. So uh, look, a couple weeks ago, Rob, we talked about the Pro Bowl and how there were so many 49ers, uh, you know, being voted on this list again. So we had an update as of yesterday and you probably can't see like the exact names. It's pretty tiny. But again, in red, you could see 
the 49ers and where they are uh, as top vote getters in the NFC at their respective positions. And there's a lot of them. I'm looking at this list, Rob, and I'm like thinking at this point, it'd be like level 10 embarrassing if the 49ers have this many players talented enough to be voted into the Pro Bowl and not make the Super Bowl. Like I I hope none of these guys actually play in the Pro Bowl, right? Because that would just be an embarrassment of riches, literally. You have to get it done this year. This team is too special. Teams like this do not come along often. Like it is super rare what we have here and to not get it done. This team would just be forgotten. Levin and I talked about it last week. You, we don't remember the teams that don't get it done. Great teams with legendary players had that have amazing seasons. They just get forgotten. And this team is too good. They have too many special players. They don't deserve that. They have to have to have to get it done. And it's, it's all there for them. There's no reason they can't do it, but we've seen a lot of good teams. Those Bills teams, like people poo-poo the fact that the Bills got to the Super Bowl four straight years. Nobody goes to the Super Bowl three straight years. The Bills did it four straight years. Now they lost all the Super Bowls, so everyone's like, (laughs) we just ignore that. That is a dynasty, okay? That is incredibly difficult. They had Hall of Famers at wide receiver, quarterback, running back, all at the same time. We don't care about the Bills. No one talks about them. Nobody. No one ever mentions the Bills in the greatest teams of all time, ever. Why? Because they didn't win. These 49ers don't deserve that treatment. They don't. They have to win. They have to get it done. It is nice to, you know, get the recognition, get the accolades and whatnot. But, you know, the biggest one of all has to be the Super Bowl for this team. It goes uh, well and above beyond, like, just single player awards and and recognition. And I know all these players are feeling the same way. Um, It is cool to see Christian McCaffrey, two 49ers, Christian McCaffrey and Brock Purdy be in the top five of overall vote getters um, in the Pro Bowl voting. Two and on is still going strong. Uh, He still has the the top votes, which is crazy. But, you know, again, like I got to give it up to the Dolphins fans are going hard for Tua. and. It's cool to see CMC and Brock Purdy. Uh, they definitely, I think, uh, deserve to be on this list. Absolutely. I just want to say one more thing about what we were just talking about. If the Niners don't get it done this year, this team won't even be talked about among the greatest 49ers teams of all time. Because you ain't getting into that club unless you have a ring on your finger. And the example I'll use is the 98 49ers. The 98 49ers were incredible. Steve Young threw for over 4,100 yards, 36 touchdowns. Jerry Rice set the all-time single season receiving yardage mark at that time. That was Jerry in 1998. And we don't talk about them. No one even mentions them. Why? Because they didn't make the Super Bowl. It's very high standards uh, for the 49ers franchise and being able to be in that category of one of the best in in franchise history because they've won so many Super Bowls, right? And because there were so many um, good teams during their, you know, kind of dynasty runs. So, yeah, I I agree. And that would be a shame, right? So if if they want to be remembered uh, as part of this dynasty and not just like, 
you know, maybe a, a little uh, 10 years from now this week in 49ers history memory, uh, then, you know, they got to, they got to win it all. But, you know, the, the path to that, at least for week 15 goes through the Arizona Cardinals. They got to keep winning here. Uh, but, the Vivid Seats projects the crowd to be 61% 49er fans. It shouldn't exactly be surprising, I guess. I mean, I know 49er fans show up uh, in troves in, in Arizona, and so this time won't be any different. Uh, the Arizona Cardinals aren't a good team right now. Well, I should just say they don't have a good record, so you know they're not going to get a lot of fans out there. It's nice weather in the winter, right? It's nice to to get out of wherever we live and enjoy some of that Arizona warmth. Uh, but I know a lot of people are worried about the game against, or were worried about the game against the Seahawks and that being a potential trap game because the 49ers were coming off that big win against the Eagles. You know, they did start off slow, but they ended up winning it, so it's fine. I don't consider this game a trap game per se, but... I will say, like, it could definitely appear like one, and I can definitely have some, like, fear about it just for the sheer amount of injuries that the 49ers are dealing with right now, in particular on the defensive side of the ball. Yeah, at first I thought it might be a trap game just because the Seahawks game at least still had the rivalry and that aspect of it. I actually did kind of have this one circled, like, hey, this could be the trap game because you got the Ravens game, and, you, you know, that's all the markings of a trap game, but I love the fact that if the Niners win this game, they win the NFC West championship. Like that is a clear thing that you can point to like, Hey, there's something at stake. We shouldn't look past this game. Let's handle our business. Let's lock up the NFC West. So I like that, but you pointed out the injuries. That's a real thing. Nine players missed practice yesterday for the 49ers, six of them on the defensive side of the ball. So that's not exactly the thing you want to have going for you when you're about to play Kyler Murray, who is as mobile and as fast as any quarterback in the league right now. But like we were talking about earlier, Steph, the nice thing is even if this defense can't hold up and the Cardinals are scoring points, they still have the offense to score with anybody. So that is, you know, it's not like previous years where we're going into it like, oh my God, if we got to score 30 points, I don't know if we're going to be able to get there. Now it's, we better score 30 points against this team. Yeah. And you know, last week against the Seahawks, I, I commended the the defense and some of the players who stepped up in, in the face of injury, Kinlaw, you know, Jair Brown for a few weeks now has been filling in very nicely for Hufunga. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and so, uh, Amber Thomas, um, and Lenore had hell of a game on Sunday. But now I there's there's a couple more injuries that I'm like, wow, that's, that's quite a lot to overcome. Now you have both defensive tackles, uh, Eric Armstead and Javon Hargrave, missing practice. Armstead, we know, is going to miss another week. Um, that's all but certain. And Hargrave dealing with a hamstring injury, like he, he could miss this game as well. And so they're pretty thin at the interior uh, defensive line spot there. And then you also have two linebackers uh, who who missed practice on Wednesday, Drake Greenlaw and Oren Burks. That would, again, be huge in stopping the run and stopping the threat of Kyler Murray in this game. So that is my concern on the defensive side of the ball. But you are right, Rob. Like, this offense can score points. 
uh, definitely at a better clip than we've seen in the past. So not so nervous about the offense. And then you remember they're going up against the Arizona defense that, you know, has a number of holes as well. Although Buda Baker is, is going to be playing this time around. Uh, but you know, it just, just something to keep in mind. I don't think the 49ers could really go into this game sleepwalking or just thinking just because it's the Cardinals we're we're going to win. The talent gap is large enough that they should, but like, you know, you can't let your guard down. Absolutely not. And the Cardinals, I'm sure would love to spoil things against the 49ers. They know they see the injury report. They know guys are hurt. They're probably in there, you know, meeting saying, Hey, they're down right now. We can go and take advantage of that. The one thing that gives me the warm and fuzzies the Cardinals have the third worst rushing defense in the league. And so if you can't stop the run against the 49ers, you're going to be in trouble because the Niners are going to be able to move the ball. They're going to be able to hold the ball. They're going to be able to control the pace of the game. And that obviously just, it's really hard to beat the 49ers if that is the case. And the one thing I liked about last week, Steph, no one really noticed. Christian McCaffrey had the second fewest touches he's had all year long. I love that for the 49ers. Great. You're lightening the load on Christian McCaffrey. They're still scoring 30 points a game. That is fantastic. So there is a possibility, hopefully, that maybe you get Christian in there. The Niners can get up by a couple scores early. And then you can throw in a Jordan Mason. Let him get a bunch of carries. If you can still gain yards, then you can let Christian McCaffrey rest a little bit. As we go down the stretch here, get them rested up for Baltimore, get them rested up, you know, for the playoffs, basically. It definitely felt intentional, right? Like, let's see how we can win this or if we can win this without putting too many miles on Christian McCaffrey, especially because like literally the first one run, he went, you know, 70 yards. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I mean, that's smart, right? You got to preserve him for this home stretch here and, you know, have him ready to go for the playoffs. The 49ers don't need Christian McCaffrey as much as they like to have him in there. Uh, so I I do like exploring other ways to, to win games too because I think in the long run that does help Brock Purdy uh, get a little more experience in different types of scenarios and game scripts and you know, all that jazz uh, ahead of the playoffs too. So it's, it's never a bad thing. So yeah, the 49ers should be able to have some success on the ground come Sunday, but just a little wary about the defensive side, but we should get more information uh, this afternoon for Thursday's practices. You know, uh, I think Kyle said Wednesdays are usually like a light day anyway. So that could be part of the reason why they just kept those guys out. We'll see who participates later this afternoon. So stay tuned to that. And of course, tomorrow in my Friday preview episode, I'll have the injury report for Sunday's game. So make sure you tune into that. Gammon says, tis the season to like and subscribe. Yeah. Definitely agree with you, Gammon. On that note, I think we've had a, a great show here today and uh, we're ready to call it. But Rob, uh, let people know where, where they can find uh, your content. So if you want to check out uh, my channel, it's the Gold Standard 49ers Podcast Network. Just search Gold Standard Network on YouTube. It'll pop right up. Uh, you can find us anywhere you get your pods. We have five-minute news updates every weekday. We have long-form live shows that we do every weekday. We have crossover shows with somebody from the Niners opponent that we talk to. So we have everything you could possibly want over at the Gold Standard 49ers Network. 
I love it. And Bully Ball on Tuesdays with uh, me and Jay. Mm-hmm. Uh, so make sure you guys tune into that. Subscribe to both of our channels. Like this video. Um, and hopefully uh, come Sunday, you know, I, I'll have my live post game. Hopefully we're talking about a 49ers win and the 49ers clinching the NFC West. Uh, but for now, folks, have a good rest of your Thursday. Peace.